0: Hey, all you perfectionists out there, Dr. Cashy wants to know something. How has all that acting Perfect stuff worked out for you? Let's talk about it. Roll the intro! Hello! Hello, and welcome to... Coffee with Cashy. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy, and on today's episode, and I think the next few episodes, I think, you and I are taking a semi-critical-ish look at the two thinking styles people use to make sense of what they see, feel, do, and how they come to conclusions about it. Numero uno, thinking dogmatically, and numero dos, thinking scientifically, and numero tres, thinking bilingually, I suppose, all right? (laughs) Let's get it on, all right. Here is what you are learning. Whoops, the whiteboard of wisdom is out. Okay, here's what you are learning. You are learning the two thinking styles, scientific and dogmatic and the differences between them, a primer on using scientific thinking to be relatively rational, constructive, and flexible, and how your well-meaning but misguided rigidness is the reason you get stuck, discouraged, miserable, demotivated, and worse, much worse. So a little bit of background here, a little bit of background here, what does it mean What does it mean to think dogmatically? I used to think it was like thinking like a dog automatically, like automatic dog dogmatically. I used to think it was that. Turns out it's closer to a a dogmatic system is kind kind of arbitrary in its structure. The premises can be anything, but it maintains rigidity in its outcomes. In other words, specific things must happen. Uh, what does it mean to think scientifically? A scientific system is, a, is rigorous in its structure, the same every time, but it allows for flexibility in its outcomes. Anything can happen. <laughs> Anything. Anything can happen. You and I will go into further detail momentarily. Uh, I do find an outrageous number of people comically and ironically align themselves with scientific mindedness in a dogmatic way. And, And after we go through this adventure together, I'm sure you'll be able to spot it. And as a disclaimer, everybody's got a touch of both. Everyone's got a touch of both systems and your, your directionality of where you're leaving, it depends on a couple of things. It depends on what aspect of your life you are looking at and addressing. It depends on how aroused and or depressed you are during the time of analysis. Some areas of your life you're more scientifically minded. Some areas of your life you are more dogmatically minded. If you are relatively chill and even stevens then you'll have more scientific mindedness even in the more dogmatically minded areas of your life if you are relatively aroused or depressed then you'll have more dogmatic mindedness even in the more scientifically minded areas of your life also i firmly believe there's a place for both mostly because there has to be <laughs> these groupings like most everything else are on a continuum additionally the direction you lean dogmatic or scientific varies Why? Because paradoxically, like I said, it must. To have tension is to be human. It is Dr. Cassie's job to help you foster rational and constructive tension so that you have consistently desirable outcomes. That is, that is something somewhat of a requirement, that tension, okay? To that end, it behooves you to make internal comparisons as we progress so that you can get a grasp of how insanely different you approach different aspects of your life and, when you peel the onion one more time, the ironically arbitrary path you took to end up that way in those varying areas of your life. So let's look at this problem a bit more. Which system are you more likely to foster a resilience response that puts you ahead of the curve, to overcome the nonsense, to put you ahead, and to get you closer to your mark? A scientific system or a dogmatic system? Let's put Dr. Casci's egregiously biased interpretations to the test. (laughs) A scientific system is rigorous in its structure, the same every time, but allows for flexibility in its outcomes. Anything can happen. When dutifully executed, all outcomes are conceivable and constitutionally acceptable. Expectations are seldom violated, but, they can st- but expectations can still be met. Uh, This is a rational, constructive, and relatively flexible system. A dogmatic system is arbitrary in its structure, the premises can be just about anything, but maintains rigidity in its outcomes. Specific things must happen. When dutifully executed, only approved outcomes are conceivable and acceptable, and expectations are frequently violated and seldom, if ever met. This is an impulsive, destructive, and relatively rigid system. But again, we all have elements of both. A rational and constructive framework is inherently flexible, and when the entire cookie crumbles, the odds will kind of forever be in your favor, as it were. An impulsive and destructive framework is inherently rigid when the entire cookie crumbles and the odds are ever against you. So let's start with a fun but tangentially related example, a mechanical clock. A broken clock is only right twice a day, but it is rigid, and you can leave it alone for eternity. This is the simpler and relatively passive approach to telling time. A working clock is much closer to the mark way more often, but its mechanism is simultaneously flexible and under tension. Therefore, it must be regularly calibrated or the oscillation mechanism will slowly but surely succumb to the necessary tension and friction eventually drifting beyond practical usefulness. This is a more purposeful but more active approach to telling time. You see any parallels here? The results you should expect from minimal effort and passivity versus methodical effort and ingenuity. Indeed, both systems are perfectly fine so long as the expectation of work and results are properly managed. Indeed, it is a terribly violating and disturbing insult (laughs) when you use the first method and expect the results of the second. Let's make it a bit more applied. Let us say your expectations were violated and you were rational and constructive, flexible. You'll feel disappointed or concerned or sad. Uh, This is healthy and reasonable. Let us say your expectations were violated and you were impulsive and stubborn, rigid. You'd be angry, anxious, and or depressed. This is harmful and damaging. Let us say your expectations were met and you were rational and constructive and flexible. Or rational and constructive, flexible. You'll feel delighted, excited, and or eager. This is healthy and reasonable. Let us say your expectations were met and you are impulsive and stubborn, rigid. You'll be expectant of the result assume it should have been that way all along, and further reinforce that it is the only acceptable outcome that is harmful and damaging. Do you see a difference? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? This is because there are relatively helpful and harmful positive as well as relatively helpful and harmful negatives. You can have helpful and harmful positives and helpful and harmful negatives. This is a huge thing, very important. So let's do an example here. Uh, a rationally constructive framework, actually, uh, I, I would, let's, 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 let's put it this way. Um, I would really like to be sexier, stronger, in better shape, and consistently satisfied when I eat enough for me. If I miss my mark, I will be disappointed, but I'll be alive and continue leading my life in an intelligent and purposeful way. As happy as you could possibly be in your wildest dreams? No. Does this resilience response foster a rational, constructive, and fulfilling outcome? Yeah, yeah. Let's compare this to a different approach. Maybe you recognize it. Okay, again, the impulsive and destructive framework is inherently rigid. When the entire cookie crumbles, the odds are ever against you. So here, I have to be strong. I have to be sexy. I have to be strong in perfect shape. I need to be perfectly satisfied with the food I eat while also looking exactly how I should, (laughs) with a plan that must work at all times in every circumstance. If I miss the mark, I will be devastated and worthless because of what I am owed. The only thing I require was ruined. (laughs) As happy as you could possibly be in your dreams? No. Does this foster a, a rational, constructive, and fulfilling outcome? No. Indeed, maybe you do recognize this level of uh, rigidity, entitlement, and catastrophe. It seems ridiculous when I say it out loud, I know. Indeed, very few people speak this way out loud. However, when you push the pause button on your thoughts when you're upset about something, you see firsthand how extreme the thoughts are. It is clear you're aroused or, or stimulated, as it were. However, these, these are the types of conversations that happen in your head before you respond. Right? So there's a stimulus. And then this conversation happens, however fast before the response. And this, this is the time where you put a stick in the spokes of that cognitive grinder. You inject logic and reason, have a resilient response and foster a learnable moment with a generally positive outcome. This is what I mean when I talk about expanding the space between stimulus and response. So let's see, I have another, I have another interactive dude here. Let me see. Oh, tiny Dr. T. Okay. Does this work? Yes. Okay. We're, we're groovy here. Excellent. All right. So what, what can you do? What can you do? <laughs> see if I have everything up here. Right. You can observe what is happening. You can observe what is happening. You can make an educated guess as to the outcome. Man, I'm so tiny. This is great. You can see how that compares to previous outcomes in similar situations. And then, you can use them in combination or challenge your educated guess. Hmm? And then you can continue with or reject your current thought patterns or behaviors. You can currently accept or reject the way you currently think and act. This is the essence of being your own scientist. Is this perfect? Heck no. (laughs) Heck no. Right? Let's go back to normal here. Excellent. Excellent. Again, this is the essence of becoming your own scientist. Is this perfect? Heck no, all right? And that's silly. It is, however, an interactive system giving you the opportunity to compare what has happened in the past to modify your thoughts and actions iteratively in the present. This means that you'll still make goofs, but you can learn from them and do better. And that's what it means to be rational, constructive, and flexible. So to summarize here, if your framework for analyzing information and coming to conclusions were flexible, then you'd have a robust and resilient responses to difficulties in your life, the people in it, and maybe most important, the inherent and random chaos. If you thought in terms of a biological continuum, probability, instead of the psychological binary, absolutes, then you'd handle literally everything with poison grace. Moreover, you'd be near impossible to disturb. So here's what you've learned. A bit or two about the major thinking styles, scientific mindedness and dogmatic mindedness and the salient differences between them. A behind the scenes look about how you can leverage scientific mindedness because although it's a relatively rigorous and systematic framework, it simultaneously fosters flexible and constructive outcomes. How your well-meaning but misguided needs, expectations and goals are the prominent reasons why they're always out of reach. These rigid demands on yourself and your environment trap you in this cognitive grinder. It feeds on your motivation and desires and preferences. It generates massive amounts of cognitive friction, and then it emits that friction as entitlement, damaging standards of yourself and others, and a twisted perception of fairness. So in conclusion, if you are purposeful and methodical about your scientific mindedness, will that eliminate your capacity for disturbance? No, no, again, that's ridiculous. I can, however, promise you that on a relative scale, the more you welcome, foster, and integrate scientific mindedness, the more rationally, constructively, and resiliently you act. This means that you are more motivated, more persistent, and get more of what you want faster and more of the time. Indeed, when you come up against a violated expectation that leaves you discombobulated, you, you recover faster and the more prepared you are to learn from it so that you can overcome all levels of hardship, from the meager annoyance to the life-changing catastrophe. That's called generalization. That's good. It transitions your apathy into meaning and purpose. It transitions your crippling neuroses into resilience and freedom. So if you're interested in becoming a rational, constructive, and scientifically-minded thinker, then send Dr. Cashie a message and leave him a comment because he gets back to all of them. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashie? head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out!